This is Kim Rothwell, and you're listening to the Return to Embodiment. This episode is just me, no interview. And in this episode, I'm going to try to talk about race and grieving and justice using a personal story of how those things are embodied for me and offering this as an invitation to be curious about how justice, how questions of race live in your body. I am a seeker and not an authority. And I'm offering this as a learner and one who wants my actions in the world to align with my values of justice and racial justice and also honors the relationships in my life who have taught me and have urged me to use my voice. I also want to acknowledge that this podcast has images of violence, so there is a trigger warning. Welcome to the Return to Embodiment. Think of a time when you learned something, but the learning wasn't easy. Perhaps you failed many times before you actually got it or um, were able to see progress. What were the conditions that allowed you to eventually learn and grow? Was there a person there? Was there a particular environment? What were the qualities of energy within your body? What was the sense of time? One of the things that I've been thinking about lately is the beauty and the importance of holding space. Holding space for growth, for learning, for healing, for transformation. Holding space for something new and unknown to emerge. The people who have held space for me in my life, as I think about them and bring them up in my mind, my body responds to those teachers, those mentors, those caregivers with gratitude because they created spaces of non-judgment free of projection where I can ugly cry if I need to or discharge energies from my body that I don't even understand or I can allow my truth to be seen and heard. Although the Constitution The highest law of the land in the United States talks about equal protection. The truth is that the spaces among us are not equally safe for all of us. The ongoing violence against black and brown people in this country is being called out courageously with loud voices. And this is largely because of social media 
where we're seeing the horrifying videos of people like Ahmed Aubrey and George Floyd hearing the news of the murder of Breonna Taylor in her own home and the shooting more recently of Jacob Blake. So I am personally becoming more aware of systemic injustice and more determined to lend my voice and my strength to actions that create spaces that are safe for all of us, for all of our children. This, I believe, is essential, and it's a sacred act. So over the past few months, I've been learning as fast as I can and grieving all of the harm, past and present, and trying to avoid feeling shame for what I do not know. Because shame often derails the conversation. It distracts from the necessary actions that need to happen. Shame and fear are stress responses, and when chronic trauma responses and they interfere with our ability to act in a way that aligns with our best intentions our values our appetites for justice and it interferes with our capacity to create and hold space that hears what needs to be heard and sees what needs to be seen so that there can be community and learning, and change, and healing, and peace among us. I have a story that I'd like to share. I co-taught a class at the Columbia College Dance Movement Therapy and Counseling Program, and it was called Deepening Our Understanding of Diversity. It was created as a collaboration between students and faculty under the direction of Susan Imus. The vision was that our students had experience and knowledge and wisdom to teach one another about diversity and equity and beyond that, deepening our relationships with one another. Because if we can deepen our relationships with one another, that will translate into our shared spaces. As Cornel West said, justice is what love looks like in public. What I brought to the class as the coordinator was first and foremost the experience of growing up overseas and having a global perspective of the world and of being an outsider, a foreigner. And perhaps more importantly, I brought my authentic movement training. I learned from Zoe Avstry how to witness, how to hold my own lived experience, thoughts, feelings, sensations with compassion, while, tr- while centering another in my consciousness, recognizing and owning what's mine, and bringing my attention 
to serve another. And I also brought a lot of blind spots. And I became very aware of them during the class. And I am so grateful to the students who were collaborators and teachers to me. One of the most profound moments was when uh, the students led an experiential. We were in a room, and because we're dance therapists, it was a moving room, and we were in a circle, and they turned on the song Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. Now, this is a gorgeous song, and it is full of suffering. The lyrics talk about blood on the leaves, blood at the root, black bodies, swinging in the southern breeze. Now, I had seen a Nina Simone documentary, so I was familiar with the song. And as the song began, I had this strong impulse to hide my face, to disappear. A few students entered into the space and moved. I couldn't bring myself to do that. But I witnessed and held my own experience of wanting to disappear. At the end of the class, a young man, a young black man, spoke up and asked, how was this for you? He was directing the question to people in the circle. And so I spoke, I told him, I said, I described this feeling of wanting to hide and disappear, and I saw his face fall. I I saw his countenance drop, and I made note of that. And so I approached him after class, and I asked him if he'd be willing to share how that landed for him. And he looked at me, and he said directly, courageously, I need to know that you can hold the stories and the songs of my people. I need to know that you can hold the stories and the songs of my people. And that hit me because it gave me an awareness of how important the work is as Resma Menachem writes, to build the cultural container that can hold the charge of race, the container of my body. It, if I don't cultivate that ability, then how can I do this work of holding space? The student also wrote a paper that completely blew me away, and I spoke with him recently, and I asked whether it'd be okay for me to share his poem. So here it is, and I share this in closing. A secret lives in my house. It's a secret song. Can you hear it? It creaks out of the walls, groans out of the floorboards. 
It echoes in the empty halls. Song without words, rolling off my mother's tongue and my mother's mother's and her mother's mother's before her. Beat into the heart and spirits. Children have come into the world to its call. Tell me, can you hear it? Can you hear them all? For centuries, the people have come out singing to rhythms of heavy feet and soulful sighs, a kind of magic turning chains to ties, aching scars to aching beauty. Can you hear their cries? Listen, the voices of the people break through, crack open the heart like a whip to the skin of the back. Better than any yoga pose you or I know. Because the strange fruit of terror is somehow love when people know how to turn a dirt floor into a dance hall. Tell me, can you see them? Can you see them all? The people are dancing and singing still. Step into the circle. They'll carry you. Thank you to Quinlan Mitchell for his poetry and his courage. Thank you to Miyun for urging me that relationship is the crucible of change. Thank you to Jessica Diaz, Mimi Macbeth, and Rosie Poloka for being teachers and inspired guides in the class. Thank you to Josie Rothwell for the opening music and Erin Kate Dunnick for the closing music. Thank you to all my teachers and mentors who have shown me the beauty of space as something sacred and whole that allows for transformation. And thank you to our listener for joining me in the return to embodiment.